Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. This show presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. It is part of the 440 Sports Network. We have a special episode. We've got two guests for you today. First, our buddy Seabass. The second one, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a sponsor of our site and our show. Andy is a big SEC sports fan. We talk a little SEC sports with Andy, and he's also got some business advice for people at the end that I think people will find interesting. Anyway, let's get the podcast started today with our friend Seabass. Seabass joins us from WN. W.S., you can tell by the yawn that you probably heard there that he's very excited about being on the program today. Welcome to the show, my man. That wasn't me. That was Chris, y'all. I didn't do that. I don't know <laughs> nothing but he told me. That was definitely Chris. Oh, uh, it's <laughs> it the was most... Me. I'm a little sleepy today, yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It, you know, it really is. If, if Man, man, it, you know, especially when, when things are going well on the gridiron, there's nothing better. Right. I hear that happens places. I, I mean, that, at least that's what I hear anyway. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Oh, man. 2013 seems a long way away, doesn't it? Long way away. Remember, for a while, we weren't supposed to mention his name. You know what I'm saying? Man, those first couple I don't, don't say his name. Yeah. Don't say his name. Now it's kind of like it, the, the narrative is completely different. Yeah, but we're in 2021. I try to stay. I try to keep myself. I try to do something that Coach Mason used to say all the time. Uh, Take know, it from the class to the grass. Great. No, be where when you the when are. the gunfighter gets uh, gets shot, he's got to get back on the horse. <laughs> no, be where your feet are. I did like that thing. I always like when he said that. Be where your feet are. <laughs> your feet propped up on the couch. Actually, yes. At the moment, they are. I got about 30 minutes of time to actually stop and breathe a little bit today, so I'm spending it here with you. Uh, besides humor, what do we have left? Oh, uh, man, nothing. <laughs> not, uh, not much, but uh, you want to take a look back at what we saw or what's coming up? What do you want to do with that? Oh, go for it. Okay. Uh, what I'm 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 doing I'm I'm doing both sides of this thing. Yes, okay. yes, you See, are. Matt, how do you feel? No, uh, <laughs> no. I just I guess some things to take away from what we saw. Um, I guess one thing that that, that one thing that, that kind of sticks out, and we uh, we I think we knew it, but now I think we have a confirmation of it. Mike's not ready yet. Mike Mike's a tremendous tremendously talented young man and, and 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 there's packages for him but he's not ready to be the, the every down quarterback of this of this football team not not yet you know I, I think look do we have the the do we have the best offensive line in college football no but i think he saw ghosts a little bit and i, I think that he was you know, on the run before it was necessary. And I, and that's, you know, that's something that happens with young quarterbacks. It, it, it just is, but it looked to me now the competition may have been a little bit better, but I, it, it looked to me that he regressed from the first game. By, by the way, can I interject? Did you see the box score of A&M 
and South Carolina heading into the fourth quarter or so? Uh, did not. At one point, I think, and this is from memory, there was a tweet out there that someone sent me. I think A&M had 400 and something yards of offense and South Carolina had six. Six hundred? <laughs> uh, that would be six, six period, zero, six zero. Yards. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, look, they're not, they're about, they're just a little bit better than we are right now. So, I mean, I mean, now that kind of number is just beyond insane, but I mean, it's not surprised to see them struggling for sure. No. Look, the, the three worst teams in the league, it's Vanderbilt, Missouri, South Carolina, not necessarily in that yeah. order. And, and so I think morale is pretty low in Columbia this week, too, from what I understand. Yeah, so, I, I think so. I, I think so. You know, I, I, I think that's the case. It's just, you know, but but they all what they also know is this is by far uh, their best chance the rest of the way to at an SEC win. So I think they're, you know, I mean, look, they're still 17-point favorites. Think about that one for a second. They're on the road, and they're 17-point favorites, and they're a horrible football team right now. What else is there to say? How many times have we done this podcast? Uh, more than I want to. I think, think about this. I started this. I started this podcast in 2015. They had two six and seven seasons where – yeah, it got good at the end. There were wins over Tennessee, and, and then it's this the rest of the time. Right. You know, the only thing is, if I'm listening, I wouldn't want to keep listening to that. No, I, I, I mean, wouldn't we, either. We, I mean, we all, look, we can come on here. We can do this for the next half hour about how terrible they are. We all know that already. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you got to try to find building blocks, things that you can build on. You know, what's next? What what's some of the latest? The fact that this this program this this program is horrible is not lost on anybody at all, including themselves. Going forward, because there's no need to analyze what happened against Mississippi State. That's worthless to everybody. Or, or what you're going to do against Missouri. I, I think it's just, okay, where can we build from? What do we have that, you know, going forward, you could see with the right people in place and, and the amount of time that could turn into something. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I just, there's, there's not anything to rehash about Mississippi State Vanderbilt. There's no reason to do that. Well, you know what, what is weird is the two bright spots you've seen in the last two, three weeks. One was Patrick Smith. He's barely gotten yeah. the ball since then, and one's to Ricky well, Wright, who is apparently suspended. Yeah. And, and so it's and like even another, even another when you player? have those little things, like it just what happened, you know? Uh, I seem to remember another player that may be in trouble too. Uh, read about yeah, maybe for the same particular reasons, and I'm trying to remember who that was uh, yesterday. But, you know, DeRicky's a tremendously – talented young man. He's one of those people that I'm talking about. He's one of those players that I'm talking about that from purely a football standpoint, you could say, I could see DeRicky turning into something really good in a year or two, you know, in, in a year with some seasoning and experience, you know, and I, that, that he could be a candidate as a lead tackle or something like that. You know, I mean, there's still a lot to do, but, you know, and then that happens, you know, so it's kind of hard to, 
<laughs> I'm looking to start turn over stones to find something that you can build this around this program. And it gets harder to do. It, it, it's, it's a very hard thing to do. Are there any young linemen that are ones that people keep talking about that with the type of, you know, with the reps, you know, with the experience are going to end up being potential all SEC caliber type of uh, type guys. I don't know if we have any of those uh, quite yet. Um, I think we have some decent young receivers. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that I'll, I'll tell you one guy that I've liked this year kind of came out of nowhere, you know, was explosive in high school, watched him, called one of his games. And he's been a guy that they've been looking to. And, and that's Devin body, you know, because when we started the season, you know, he, we mentioned him, but he wasn't really one of, one of those guys. Well, Devin body, of course he had that big 61 yard catch against Mississippi state, but he's made some nice plays and showed flashing pretty decent hands. I could see him being a playmaker for them going forward as well. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I didn't realize that there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys who caught passes last week. Your man, Logan Kyle finally got off the bench. I saw that at the end of the game, uh, like he caught a pass from Musa. It, it's amazing to me. I'm, I'm trying to find something something you know but at the moment there's just so it's so down you know it's it, it, it's kind of hard to find and believe me i that's what i want i do not want to do another one of these i don't i i wouldn't I, I, it's not something i would listen to you know because it's just a reminder of what's been so i, I want to find something some players that are you know you know something that we can talk about that that, that can you know maybe light a fire some things but it, it's kind of hard. It, it, it's kind of hard. There's not a lot of them there on, on that team. When you don't have it on the field, you've got to give people something to get excited about. That's young players or that's something like facilities, and they really yeah. have blown it with that thing, with not having that ready to break ground. Because now all that it, does is that recycles a whole other narrative. And look, the people that have seen those – the plans, and I've talked to several, everybody says they're nice. Everybody to a man says they're nice. I think they're in danger of... Of what? Well, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be frank. I wonder how many of the kids on the team now are going to live to see these. Not live, not live to see them. That's, that's a bad choice of words. But going to get to use them, I guess, is a good way. Because let's say that you, you postpone the construction date to after next season or later. You know, it takes a while for stuff to get built. I think if I'm the school right now, I throw the plans in front of everybody and say, this is when we're going to start. And if you don't raise all the money, figure it out. The school can write a check or whatever. It's pocketed athletics revenues long enough. The, the narrative does not change on its own, Right. And it's not changing on the field. And there's no excuse for this. Under Malcolm Turner, they would have broken ground on this uh, in after the end of last season. So here we are at least a year late. I don't have any room for excuses at this point. Um, a lot of the plans that they're using, from my understanding, were the plans that came from Perkins and Will and I think they've been repurposed with different details. I, I, I'm not going to speak with certainty, but what I'm told is I think they took a lot of the concepts and applied them to what they're doing now. And, and you can make your reason. It could be we don't have the money, whatever. And I, I think that's the reason. I don't think they've raised 
the money they want to raise yet. I'm not reporting, but that's me speculating. Actually, it's people that I've talked to that know them pretty well. Everybody says, when I say, what do you think is going on? Why are we not hearing anything? To, to a man, that's the answer that always comes up. I bet you they don't have the money. And, and frankly, I don't care anymore. The school's got the resources. Put it out there and make it happen. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Before, if you know you show the renderings, just say, okay, here's where we're at. Here's what right. we anticipate. And I know that we said this, but here's, let's keep you up to date because that's what a good business would do to its clientele. Uh, this is where we are. Uh, this is what we're going to do. We're a little behind on this. This is why, but rest assured, this is on the way. Uh, and because they look, one thing they are keenly aware of is their reputation. When it comes to this stuff. Oh, you have no idea how keenly aware they are. It's almost like they have people reading the board and listening to podcasts all the time. It's almost like that. Sure they know. know. And and, and since you're listening to the podcast, we're not your enemy. We're not. You're, You're not ours. It would be as much time as you spend... (laughs) <laughs> with this craziness, you know, it, it's, I, I don't even have the words, Chris, which is rare for me. And I, use, I generally always have the words, but I don't on this because I can't understand it. I can't, and maybe I'm not supposed to, maybe I'm not in the club. I don't get it. But what, what, what y'all need to understand is, is there is not a base in America, period, that could be treated this way and would respond any other way. And as, as a matter of fact, I think this base is the most dedicated group of people I've ever seen because you have given them no reason to stay around at well, all. None. They should, we should all be gone, never to return. But there are still lots of loyal people there waiting for the day that you finally get your act together after all these years. There are still those people now they're fewer and far between because of the, of your actions over so many years but you still have an opportunity here just take advantage of it stop playing games i don't care about the i don't care about the the little nuances that that i may not understand about that's lost on us you lost the right to have that type of buffer room you know uh because no one trusts you anymore so if you just 
just run your business the right way and include the people that matter that you're if you want to call them clients if you're uh whatever the case may be this is your base and you have treated them worse than any other fan base and group uh involved with the university in america nobody's dealing with what they're that with what this base does and so it's it's time you owe it's time to pay up do it now the issue is the people over there in administration see themselves as unfair victims in the narrative. They don't see well, it wrong. the other way around. When that's where your focus is, and when your focus is on looking at all the criticism and trying to rebut it in whatever way you can do it, it it's no wonder. Anchor down, right? You know what I'm saying? It's, I just, I, I don't have anything left, Chris, when it comes yeah, to Yeah, no, there's I'm, just, I'm there. I'm there, I too. I don't have anything left, man. I can't do that anymore. Let's go to the mailbag. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, they're, they're just going to make me mad, and I got two more shows to do. Okay. All right. <laughs> the mailbag has been sponsored by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and how they can help. VU and GA, from 1 to 10, how frustrated are you with Clark Lee as to seeing improvements each week? I don't know, maybe six, I suppose. Because, and one of the reasons is, is because, I mean, look, we all know the job's a tough one to be sure, but come on, he's he's doing with his hands behind, tied behind his back, you know? I mean, and he's he's learning to be a head coach on the fly in in the worst possible situation in all major college football times 10, you know? So, I mean, and I look, it's clear. It's frustrating. I mean, obviously probably nobody, it doesn't matter to uh, any of us more than it does. Clark Lee. Has he been great? No. Does this team play with a spirit and passion that is, that is one I'll never forget. No, you know, but the fact is they're completely outmanned. Personnel-wise, I, I I really don't know what Clark Lee is at this point because, as far as the head coach, because he's totally outmanned with the personnel. Just totally, he just totally is. So I mean, I'm frustrated, but I don't know how I feel about him as a head coach yet. I mean, he's he's not been given anything to work with. We know that. The fact that he's won two games to me, frankly, is pretty impressive. Can I give you the best shot at? Framing a, a more positive narrative without violating the spirit of, of truth and realism here. You, you could say, what about their defense? They've got 10 picks, which is top 10 in the country right now. That's improvement. Yeah. Uh, very much so. Uh, I, I mean, look, the secondary is does not have SEC-level speed. We've known that from the beginning. Their front seven is not to SEC athletic standards. Okay, we, we've we've said this time and time again, right? So I can make the argument that as bad as it's gotten, I wouldn't say the defense is underachieved. And I would say you look at places where you bring in a whiz-bang offensive coordinator and those things can fi fix themselves quickly. So that's the blueprint to me if you're Clark Lee is you, you can look at your defense and say, okay, at least we've at least – started to squeeze a little bit of something out of it positively, there's nothing we can do 
about the talent. Now, the offense shouldn't be that bad. Um, but you, you're going to have to make a change to that offensive staff. I don't know that everybody needs to go, but at, at the coordinator, look, it, they've had four of them in four years now. They keep getting worse. He knows it. Clark's not dumb. So you make the right hire. Say you win four games next year and you look respectable. Then everybody's fine with that, right? Mm-hmm. I have an idea, Chris. I have an idea. It just came to me. And Does it involve I, Trent Dilfer? What the heck did you just do? <laughs> I've how, known you too long. How did you just do that? Because I know you too well. Did I, wait, wait. Did I already say something to you like that? We did talk this week, but you never said what you're about to say. Why do you know this? Get out. Y'all, I swear this is not a setup. Chris, you're a witch. Chris is a witch or a warlock or whatever it is. That's a, oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know how you do. Yeah, that's great that you know me, but I don't know how you did what you just did. But yes, that was my idea. And I don't know if he'd be down for that or or what he would think about that. But what Trent Dilfer has done at Lipscomb Academy uh, I know they lost by eight to Oakland. This team just beat CPA 38 to nothing. And I think on on October the 28th or whatever the date is, I don't think anybody, including Oakland, wants a slice of that right now. They're playing at a different level. And, yes, I would take them over Macaulay right now, if that, if that, if that tells you how I feel about them. I still don't know how you did that. Uh, what, what about if they call Trent Dilfer up and say, we'd like to make you our offensive coordinator? Do you think he'd take that job? Is that a lateral move, Chris? No. Le- leaving a a small private school I'm to be about that <laughs> right. I'm, okay. Come on. I guess it depends on what he wants, right? I mean, some coordinators get special privileges with not having to go grind it on the road, but that's not really conducive to family life and all that stuff. Being a high school coach is is way different. Obviously, Trick Dilfer doesn't need any money, right? No, and he already lives here. And he already lives here. There, there are much worse ideas than that one. You better believe there are. I promise I'm on the phone today, you know, whatever, and then and, and saying, what do you need? How, you know, let me show you how serious we are about this. Because you're right. We cannot keep a revolving door. One of the things that killed UT was the revolving door, not just of head coaches, but of coordinators, assistant coaches. That's hell on a player. It, it, it is. You know, you, you know, sometimes it's a bad move. Sometimes it's a great move. But when you're constantly changing, because each coach has their own tendencies and their own ways of instruction. And you finally get adapted to one thing and the rug's out from money. And it's a whole new thing that you've got to relearn. Sometimes you've got to relearn the verbiage. And it just, that frankly sucks. But I, I'll tell you right now, if, if, if that announcement came out today, Trent Dover was a new offensive coordinator of Vanderbilt in 2022, I promise you I'd be doing cartwheels. Promise you I'd be doing cartwheels for that. And that's the type of thinking that we got to have. Because, I mean, as is now, the, 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 the trajectory, and this is why what you were talking about with the Vandy United thing, man, help Clark Lee out. You're not doing, and I know they can say, well, these, these recruits have seen it, you know, 
But you know what else they saw? Look, look, recruit, let me stop they you there. Recruits, recruits have been made promises for years. There's kids on that team that were told they were going to play with this or that or whatever. You can't kill a coach's right. credibility his first year. And that's got nothing to do with Clark. That's not on Clark. And by the way, none no, of these criticisms are. I have no, no issues with anybody on the football staff. But the but blame lies elsewhere. You know, because as we've been reported many times, these 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 recruits have been made aware of whatever this is, you know, whatever the, the plans are, and they've been impressed by it and all that. So they have seen that. But what they also keep seeing is humiliation on Saturdays, right? And so we can talk about those facilities, which whatever they are, they're still not going to be, you know, they're going to be blown away. I mean, look, if you're, it's the type of player we're wanting to get, they're, they're seeing much better facilities than whatever they have planned over there. Uh, but it makes it very hard for coach when they're out there getting drilled, you know, and no announcements, you know, I mean, help the dude out, make his job easier. It's one thing that you can show some renderings, but, you know, build some excitement about that program. I mean, here is a real opportunity to do so. Don't leave that dude hanging in the wind, man. Give him, give him as much as he can possibly get. Keep that excitement going. Get the base excited once again, because honestly, it's to me, and I don't even know how, I don't even know how to even to, to qualify this, but it is the, the base morale is lower than it's ever been ever that I can ever remember. So let's do something about that now, man, to help this cat out, you know, cause honestly, you know who I want to be the head coach of Vanderbilt Clark Lee. How do, how does that school not get embarrassed by what they see? How do you not get embarrassed when the announcers literally talk about the same thing each and every week as the opponent is running up and down the field and the cameras, when it is panned into the stands is panned to the visiting fan base which is basically all that's left us there because you've completely alienated the rest. That's what I know to be true. That, my friend, is a fact. That's not assumption. It's not lies. It's reality. And the people that are in charge of keeping that from happening have not done so. There's another reality for you. Those are the facts. In this life, we have accountability for the job that we do. And if we don't do that, if we don't supply the people in our program with the opportunity to do so, then we have failed. Bottom line. So, you know, you, you, you can pay, try to pin it on message board people if you'd like to all day long. But the fact of the matter is it's the people in charge who have neglected grossly for so long as to why it's not Clark Lee's fault or those players' faults, none of their faults. None of them, you know, the, that is where the blame belongs. So, you know, I, I, I'm looking for a reason to support you guys. You know, I am trust me when I tell you, nobody this side of the Tennessee river gives a flip about Vanderbilt athletics. I still do. I still am holding out hope that some, that somehow the right people are over there and things are going to change now. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm an eternal optimist, but I'm still there. Put this blame where it belongs, and it ain't on Clark Lee. VU and GA says at the end of the season, if Coach Clark Lee fires his offensive coordinator and or others on the offensive staff, does that mean everything learned by players is just dumped for the new scheme that comes in? In other words, the entire learning curve for this year was a waste of time. 
the first response is it depends on who they were to bring in, but the truth is that's probably the reality of it. You know, there's a good chance. Of course, you know, Clark Lee's going to decide what he wants his team to look like, whether he's calling offensive plays or not. So he's going to have somebody in there that he wants, that he thinks uh, fits what he's looking to do. Now, if there's some culpability for Clark Lee in the first year, I would say that I, I think he massively missed that on on the on on the play calling side of things, the play calling dudes with an offensive coordinator. And there's it's one thing to miss. This is this was a major, major miss. So, you know, I mean, you got you gotta get the coordinator hires right. You don't have any choice. You have to. You know, the position coaches are very important too, but you absolutely cannot miss on your coordinators and it's a bad miss so far at least on the offensive side bear 8000 when did the university stop allowing football players to attend summer school was that a monetary decision also don't successful programs want as many players as possible on campus during the summer to participate in team strength and conditioning who makes the final decision to change policies like this and priority registration well, that, I can't answer that. You'll have to answer that question, Chris. I well, okay. L- let me start here. The school has pushed back against some of what I have said regarding summer school, which I'll just, for the record, I trust my sources, multiple sources. I trust where this info came from. I have challenged the school in return with a very detailed list of questions and information I would like. And if I'm wrong, I will put it out there in front of everybody. But I got to see data. Just because we tell you so without giving you any more context does not fly with me, and it will not. Let me go into a little more detail about that. This is, from what I understand, this is how it works at Vanderbilt and how it works at other places. At other places, let's just say Alabama, for example, which has a very good graduation success rate, by the way, and also puts a couple guys in the NFL and wins a few football games. At Alabama, the way it works, and this is, I think, the case at at all the SEC schools, you are encouraged to take a lighter load in the fall, probably a little more in the spring, and then then load up. I don't know if load up is the right word. I don't want to give the wrong connotation here, but certainly you're encouraged to take a lot of summer classes and, and pace yourself accordingly that way. Now, what that does is that allows you to, obviously, you're not as tired during the school year between all your demands on your time and if you have summer classes coordinated in the summer that means players can get together and work out and and do all the things that you need to do to build continuity and chemistry if Vanderbilt Hills how it works from what I've been told and again this is multiple places that I trust summer school is discouraged internships are pushed the reason I'm told summer school is discouraged and again Vanderbilt disputes this. I've asked for some facts, and I will will give those to you as I can verify them if I get them back. I'm told that they don't want to pay the freight for summer school. And so what they do is instead tell kids, hey, we've got you this internship over here that you can take, and you know th- that'll benefit you that way. And I'm not saying that internships don't benefit kids, right? But you heard... Ken Seals on a pod a few weeks ago, and this is not, and and I don't mean to put Ken on the spot here, but his answer didn't surprise me. It's not atypical. 
Kid, Kim was saying, kids, he's getting about five and six hours of sleep a night. Well, I don't know about you. I don't do my job well on five or six hours of sleep, and I'm not going out there a couple hours a day, you know, going through the physical demands of football and the weightlifting and all the stuff that goes on with that. So most schools, you get to pace yourself during the year. You're not up late at nights studying as much because your, your load's a little lighter. And, and they've got it all down to a science a lot of places to where even in the summer, you can schedule your classes a certain way so that you can have workouts together. Well, if you've got internships in the summer, you might be needed all day at a place. So you're missing your workouts and all the stuff kids are doing in other places. That That's a layer on top of this that I didn't even think about until somebody who read what I wrote said, oh, by the way, you didn't think of this. But th- that's just what they're up against. It's nothing like... It's not like any schedule that anybody else has at other SEC schools, from what I understand. And it's just, again, it's setting your kids up to be exhausted. And the the way that you get summer classes is if you're behind in your degree. And, and the reason that works that way, they don't want to lose their their graduation success rate. That means a lot to the school. So when a kid is is falling behind and failing, hey, let's take some summer classes because we don't want that number to look bad. And that's how it works, and it, it is what it is. I think it speaks for itself. I think the results have spoken for themselves for a long time. Yeah, that's boy. I I never knew it was that detailed, man. That's that's. And but I, I I you know I'm like I'm I'm right there with you, man. If this if if there if if Chris's understanding is is, is incorrect, then let's hear what it is. Then, then let's hear the reality because I've, I've read your retort and I'm right there with you. My big pet peeve with the school is I hear a lot of you're wrong and I hear a lot of the school telling people I'm wrong, but I don't ever get the right explanation. Well, I mean, you know, you could always invite them on, have them do. Oh, that that's, that's, that's been done. That's been done. <laughs> I know it has. I know it has. It's all you can do is, is, is extend the uh, the opportunity and the invitation. That's the end of the mailbag, sir. Well, then you know what that means. I got to go. I got things to do, son. No, I, I, I do want to say one more thing. I'm ready for basketball, man. I don't know about you, but I'm getting kind of hyped up. I'm getting kind of hyped up. Yeah, that's uh, two weeks from now. Not even. Not even two weeks away. Uh, real quick, uh, any chance Liam Robbins is a go at that time? The thing I keep hearing is they should have him ready for the regular season. He's been sitting out practice. Okay. All right. And it, look, this is one of those guys that, look, physically, you know, is what it is. And uh, he, you know, he's already proven on this level how effective he can be. So I think we know what we have with him. I think it's just a, it's a smart thing to keep the guy rested up until it, till we need him. Uh, but I'm just looking forward to the impact. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to having an impactful big man. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, Damien, J- no, no, Luke Cornett, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that seems forever. You know, of course, those are two very different players. They're different type of players, obviously. But I, you know, I know the game keeps evolving, and I get that. But I'm I'm looking to see a guy who can mix it up in the paint. You know, knocking around. You know, pick up boards, 
you know, put backs, you know, a guy that it routinely could get me, you know, 14 and 10 if necessary. Yeah. They could use one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Every first of all, everybody could use one of those. Everybody. Right. There's not. There's not a lot of those. You no. Know, and and remember something. This is reminding me a lot of 2008. You know, and I, what I mean by that, not so much our team as I do mean the state. You know, the programs, the bigger programs in the state of Tennessee. Remember back in 2008 where Memphis and Tennessee, uh, you know, were two of the way they were playing. And then Vanderbilt, of course, knocks off. Uh, who who did it? it beat Tennessee right after Tennessee had beaten Memphis? And well, Memphis, obviously, with the recruiting in Tennessee, same thing, have done a great job. Uh, they've elevated their programs back up. And I think that Vanderbilt's headed that direction, too. They're not there right now, but I think they're headed that way. They continue to recruit like this, you know. Um, look, one thing I don't think we're going to argue at all about is whether or not Jerry can coach basketball. I think, I think I think Jerry Stackhouse can coach basketball, and I think he does a pretty good job of getting uh, a lot from these players. And as the talent level that he has at his disposal continues, and the depth continues to rise, uh, don't know if it's this year, but it, I, I, especially with the next year's class coming in too, on top of this, uh, I, you know, hey. All of a sudden, I'm excited to watch Vanderbilt basketball again. Hey, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris Lee. Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net joins us. Andy is a sponsor of our site, has become a friend of mine. We're going to talk the SEC and a little business today. Andy, thanks for joining us, and thank you for helping out several people at our site that have reached out to you for advice, and I think they've found you to be pretty helpful. I hope so. No, it's been really fun, Chris. Like I mentioned before, you know, when I started uh, advertising on rival sites, um, I didn't know where it was going, but it's now come to the point where I realize I'm working with a lot of people that are very similar to me, you know, like, like college football, uh, like having a beer, like an outdoor activities. And uh, it's just been really fun making a lot of friends through this process. Well, Andy, one reason that you came to us uh, and to other folks at the Rivals Network is that you're a big sports fan. Uh, you're about to be a big SEC fan. We'll get to the why of that in just a minute. Uh, but you do like the SEC and you do follow it. You're, Andy's a Texas fan, so I'll, I'll go ahead and give the, the punchline away right now. And Vanderbilt's having a rough year, but you follow a team that's had some rough years by its standards recently, too. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think ever since, you know, I've got a 12 year old son and, um, he, ever since he's, well, ever since he was born, Texas has been bad, uh, at least not lived up to expectations. So it's really sad because, uh, he's, he's defeated and he's living in the SEC world. We live down in, in South Alabama near Fairhope, Alabama is where we live. But, um, yeah, what I, what I, what I've realized is when Texas is bad, it's, I'm not on the rival sites nearly as much. I'm not lurking around, reading a lot. Uh, I am uh, a lot more productive at work uh, as a business owner when, when Texas is bad. So it's been a blessing in disguise for me. So you've got that going for you, Vandy fans. I'm sure Jeff Ketchum misses you. <laughs> yeah, Jeff's I'm still, got a I'm still on the board a little bit. Right. What's that? Well, 
I was going to say, Jeff's, Jeff runs a behemoth over there at Orange Bloods. But um, let's talk about the SEC. I know you watch. You live in the middle of SEC country. What's caught your interest during this football season? Well, you know, obviously Georgia's defense, uh, first and foremost. If I start thinking about the landscape right now, Georgia is clearly, at least it seems right now, in a league of their own. Maybe Alabama is going to be there as well. I, I think that they've got some defensive issues. Uh, and Bryce Young, he's just he's he's breaking in still. But I think that, that, that that's your probably your number two team. But obviously, what Kentucky's done this year has been phenomenal, beating LSU and Florida. Uh, that's been great. And then then what's happened at LSU is is kind of sad to be honest with you because Coach O is great for TV. And great for the rest of the SEC if you're, uh, if you're a Vandy fan, an Alabama, anybody fan. Um, when LSU is down, uh, that really can be a benefit to all because they don't really – LSU is that only that, – Louisiana is the only state out there that doesn't have another significant state school. So when LSU is down, you've got all that talent that's starting to look elsewhere. So – um, that's really kind of caught my eye this year as well. And then I, I'm hoping that Harson at Auburn does well because he used to be an def- uh, offensive coordinator at Texas, and I, I always watch, loved watching his play calling. I remember Manny Diaz used to say that Harson's offense was like watching helicopters drop men out of, out of the air and people coming out of, of uh, manholes um, because he had so much movement and, and disguise in his offense. So, anyway – those are the few things that I, I, I guess I, I take away so far from the season for me. The LSU coaching search is going to be fascinating. But Scott Woodward is going to aim for the stars. Nobody is off limits to that guy. And you just never know who wants out at whatever time. I mean, it would not completely astonish me if he just landed a big fish somewhere that nobody knew was really on the market. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you're you're hearing Lincoln Riley, you're yep. obviously Jimbo Fisher, uh, Lane Kiffin, uh, James Franklin. Those are those guys are are, are all in, in great situations right now. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting job hunt for sure. You mentioned Georgia. So you know, last time they they settled on Ordron, it was when Texas was hiring uh, Herman, and they wanted Herman. And they didn't get him, and I think they were pretty scorned in that process and settled on Ordron. Yeah, Scott Woodward's going to come in and and go big. He's shooting for the stars. You mentioned Georgia earlier, and right now because of that defense, Georgia's giving up less than seven points a game, which is absurd any time, but now we're more than halfway through the regular season. And I think everybody's got Georgia is the best team in the league and Alabama too. But if you notice, Alabama has played really well in the two games since the loss to A&M. It totally shut down Mississippi State on the road. It smacked a Tennessee team that's been playing pretty well. I'm wondering if Nick Saban has got them headed, you know, in a direction where they get a little bit better every week. And, and that game that we all anticipate in Birmingham, or excuse me, in Atlanta, you know, six weeks from now or so, if that won't be a whole lot more interesting by the time we get to it than it would be if they played it today. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, people don't get Saban enough credit for what he does on an annual basis on the coaching level with having to – I mean, he if you look at his coaches, his assistant coaches, he has to rehire them almost every year. He gets gutted. They get all, all get promoted 
into better jobs, and he's always putting a new offensive or defensive coordinator. And typically at a school like Texas, that's a that takes a year or two to start gelling. Well, Saban does it like without without even thinking. And this year, I think there might be a little bit more gelling going on with his new coaches that's taking place. And I, I'm sure that they're going to be a major force come playoff time. Well, speaking of gelling, let's go back to Texas for a minute. Texas had a really rough start to the season. If you go back to that Arkansas game where I was just astonished how that one went. We don't know when Texas is going to join the league. It won't be for next football season, but it's going to be sometime before 2025. As a Texas fan, are you going, hey, we'd like a couple more years for Steve Sarkeesian to get this thing going, or are you just ready to jump in with both feet yesterday? I'm ready to jump in with both feet yesterday. Uh, One, where I live, I'm in the heart of SEC country, so it makes it easier to go see games. And two, where I live and where I've grown up my whole life is in the heart of SEC country. And uh, I, I feel like those teams are more teams that I recognize and are, are, are noteworthy opponents rather than the Iowa States, the Kansas States of the world. I, those are not nearly as appealing to me. So I'm ready to go. Uh, I think Texas, you know, we're not the Texas of old right now, I feel like we're kind of on an Auburnish level. Um, Sark has proven already he's got great skills play calling. We, we've had a problem with the Arkansas game. We got beat up from first snap to end of the game. We just we got our butts handed to us. But um, the other two losses, it was kind of fourth quarter meltdowns where we our offense just stopped producing. And uh, I think that we can fix that up over time. At least Sark sure thinks that it's very coachable. So uh, if we can win the fourth quarter, I think that we've got a team that's heading in the right direction moving into next year to, to compete at a really high level. But we still don't have all the the Jimmies and Johns that we need on our team to make this thing. We don't have the talent that uh, an Alabama or a, an Oklahoma have quite yet. Or maybe we just haven't developed them like those teams have in the past because that's been a big issue at Texas is developing. Andy, let's say I make you SEC commissioner, uh, which obviously comes with a nice paycheck, but it also comes with the responsibility of knowing what to do with divisions or pods or whatever it is they're going to do. So if you're commissioner, how do you divide the 16 teams? Do you go divisions? Do you go four-team pods? How do you do the scheduling? What do you do if you're in charge? Well, <laughs> if I'm in charge, I'm listening to a lot of people because I've realized as in my business owner days that when I don't know a lot about something, I'll listen to a lot of others to, to learn more before I make a decision or opinion on anything. But, you know, just me talking to you right now, Chris, I, I feel like the pod system makes sense. And I think you've got to have, you know, I, I'm selfishly just looking at where Texas fits is you've got to have probably A&M in Oklahoma in there, and then is it Arkansas or LSU? Uh, but that, that four-team pod is, is what I would think would work best. Yeah. Look, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU would be a brutal pod, just those three teams alone. A&M in there, too. I think you've got you to keep the Texas schools together and probably Oklahoma in there, right? I mean, it seems to me if you're going to go pods – those three almost got to be together. I guess you could 
say, well, that's that's three football powerhouses, and maybe you, you find a reason to go differently. But just in terms of geography and rivalries, you've almost got to start with those. And, and, and to me, Arkansas is the fourth team if you're going to do that yep. too because of the old rivalries of the Southwest Conference. And of course, those have been, it's been a long time ago, but between that and geography, you have a fit there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's I, that's probably the right path because Arkansas has been a huge rival of of Texas forever. And then when they came over to the SEC, they really they really haven't you know went on to any kind of other rivalry. They don't have something right now, so um, I think that does make a good fit. You mentioned your business and listening to other people, you, you've been very successful in what you do. Uh, before we get into some specific questions on that, Andy, I want you to take the time to tell folks about your business. And look, if you're listening, you need to hear Andy out because he's had a lot of success in business. He's got a little thing going right now that we've got some people at our site talking to him about. Uh, Andy, you have changed the lives of a lot of people. You've changed your own life with your career choices. Tell folks about what you can do and how you can help people. Well, I guess, it, you know, not to go back deep into the story, but I, I'm first and foremost, I'm a business owner. I, I'm, I was a franchisee starting, you know, nine, 10 years ago now. I still own that initial franchise that I bought. I've bought and sold other franchises since then, and I've bought and sold other businesses. Right now, I, I, like I said, I own my home health business, and I own a dumpster business and a porta potty business and another trash smashing business. So I've gotten real deep into the trash world uh, over the last couple of years. But um, I use those experiences to help others find franchises that kind of fit their DNA. And that's why I'm advertising or partnering with, with you, Chris, is to help others find opportunities that will either help improve their quality of life, help them diversify, or get them out of the corporate rat race, which is what I was stuck in for a long period of time. And I really, I, I started doing this when, uh, when the pandemic hit and I started, you know, going to Orange Bloods where I'm a member and I have been for 20 years. I, I'd go to that site and it's like a family over there and people were losing their job and jobs and, and needing help and, and having to change careers altogether. And I'm like, well, gosh, rather than starting in an entry level position in a different industry, I can help these people out. And so that was when the light bulb went on to, start working with rival sites and it's been an awesome venture for me. Andy, it is a really weird economic time. I look around and I see help wanted signs everywhere. I live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville. And we went to Red Robin a few weeks ago, a burger <laughs> joint that people probably know. And we went in and, and they really, it took them forever to seat us. And you look across and the restaurant's two thirds empty. Well, they didn't have enough servers and found out that the business had been shut down for, I think about four months, just from lack of help. We're seeing things like this in America at a time where the economy has been booming. Uh, it's just crazy just to look around and, and see how customer service has slipped to see how many places need people to help them out. So in this environment where you're a business owner, what tips do you have on finding and retaining employees for people? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, I have had those same pains myself. Um, Synergy Home Care 
is really run by low-level employees, low-wage employees. They're CNAs that make uh, really my starting wage is nine dollars an hour, nine to ten or eleven, I think, is what our, our range is for our CNAs. So I'm not paying a lot of money, and when the pandemic hit, I had to struggle to get keep keep people employed because Uncle Sam was paying them more to sit on their couch and eat potato chips. So. We did a lot of different stuff. I, I threw a lot, a lot of darts at the board trying to figure out how to find more caregivers, heartbeats, and then most importantly, retain them, keep them interested in our job. And so we did a lot of different stuff. And uh, it starts, started with Blue Cross Blue Shield. I pay 50% of that. I put a profit sharing plan in together where I'm going to give them 10% of my profits at the end of the year, go back to my qualified employees. I launched a go-to-work bonus program where if they worked 40 hours a week for me, I'd give them 250 bucks at the end of the month just because they went to work, got there on time, and followed the care plan. Uh, give referral bonuses to employees for bringing in friends like them. But I will tell you, all that stuff, while awesome and, and of value, nothing has moved the needle more when it comes to low-wage workers, for me at least, and I, most of my caregivers are, are females, I will say, but nothing has moved the needle more than rewards and recognition. And really, it's the recognition. And that's what we're really trying to, to develop more this year is recognizing through a, a, just a simple phone call, hey, you did a, we heard that you did a great job in the home the other day. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And then we're also now sending out uh, a little attaboy physical note that an employee will write to somebody that did something good that was reported back to the office once a week, as well as somebody that's been with us for a, a long tenure of time and just saying thank you for your service. But that recognition, Chris, has the, the, the reception from our employees has really kind of been eye-opening. Um, that, you know, when, when they get the checks for the go-to-work bonus, they're not calling me and thanking me for it. They're expecting it. But when they get a note or a call, they might cry on the phone they might call us when they get the note. It means so much to these people because you got to remember, again, low-wage workers, they are not all the time working just for the money, and especially in my line of work where you have to have a little bit of compassion and, and desire to help others uh, taking care of elderly. But um, I've just really seen that recognizing your, your, your lower-level employees and treating them like family will go really far in retaining them. Andy, when I know you obviously help people go into business for themselves, and again, you've done a lot of things in your professional career, but flipping it around a little bit, anything of note that you can tell people right now looking for the right job, any, any job-seeking tips or anything like that that might be particularly applicable, excuse me, applicable in this job market? Gosh, well, when you start talking about job market, that's, you know, I, I, the only thing I have experience with now in the job market is when I'm hiring for middle management down to uh, lower level employees, you know, for C-level or, or, or executive level employees going out there and trying to find a new job. I, I, I don't know much about that, to be honest with you anymore, because I just haven't been involved in it. I'm blessed to say that, you know, I, I've worked myself out of the corporate world to where I don't have to worry about applying for another job again uh so yeah i don't know how to how to compete there i do know for what i what i am doing i i know that 
the personalized uh, cover letter speaks to me. Um, obviously, a resume that, that has some some robust qualities to it. But most importantly, when they come to an interview, like I, when I just hired my last uh, GM, I, I it, it meant a lot for them to be well-versed in what we did before I had to explain it to them. But other than that, you know, I don't have, that's, that's probably not, I'm not probably the expert in, in executive job placement, more in finding an executive, a business that will fit their skill set so they don't have to go back into the job market. Andy, any parting thoughts before we end the podcast today? Oh, gosh, uh, put me on the spot there. Parting thoughts, no. Um, well, I'm real excited about the baseball season, uh, even though that's far. I'm real excited about basketball season as well. Uh, we got a good basketball team, it seems like, this year for the first time in a while. But, um, you know, on the business side of things, you know, I just I, – I will tell people if what we're talking about today is piquing your interest in any way whatsoever, give me a call. Let's talk this through because – the franchise evaluation process is unlike any other. It's not salesy. It's not, hey, let me tell you a little bit about business, and then you ask your friends and ask Google. It's a very comprehensive process where you will be guaranteed to learn a lot about the franchise industry and that in those specific businesses you're looking at, and hopefully you'll find something that checks all the boxes and that can give you that kind of American dream, which I feel like I've kind of got now where I've got unlimited pretty much unlimited freedom to take PTO or, you know, take vacation wherever I want. I don't have PTO. Uh, I make really good money and I can be with my family all the time. So that's kind of my American dream. I've got it. I'd love to help others find something like that as well. For folks out there listening, tell them where they can get in touch with you. Yeah. Uh, so cell phone, call or text me. That's easy. Uh, you'll, you'll see my stuff on, on, on the Vandy Sports uh, pin site. You'll see my, my contact information in the post. But my cell phone is area code 404-973-9901. You can call or text me. And then uh, email me at, real simply, it's andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, anyway, you communicate to me, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you, and I uh, look forward to hearing from you. He's Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy, you've been a terrific guest today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.